0: You are listening to the God Focused Life Podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Thompson, and my prayer is that every single listener will be inspired and challenged to be all that God has created you to be. Welcome to episode 10 of A God Focused Life. Today's topic is five ways to break the habits of sin. This should be a very interesting topic for all of us. Before we dive in, I first want to thank you so much for tuning in to A God-Focused Life. And I also would like to invite you to rate and review this podcast. By doing so, it helps your friends and other people who are searching for a godly, podcast. It helps this podcast to come up in the search results so that they can find it more easily. So if you can just take a couple of seconds to rate and review, I would be so appreciative of that. Okay, let's dive into this topic. Five ways to break the habits of sin. I would love to say that I have this magic wand and I'm just going to, you know, wave it and make all of our sins go away once and for all. But unfortunately, that's not how God set this up. This is a journey. It is a battle. God teaches us and trains us, but he also promises that we have hope and that we can be overcomers in these things that are holding us back. And I want to lay a foundation before we get into those five ways um because i think that we need to understand the effects that sin has on us sin affects us in our bodies our souls and our spirits and it forms it it makes us form these habits that it feels like we are just never ever ever going to get rid of and we're never going to overcome. But when we have more understanding of how it is affecting us in all of our areas, the more we can kind of unravel this and unpack it and start attacking it in each area so that we can overcome in each area. So sin will affect our soul. It's our emotions and um, and how we feel when we sin. Um, whether it's gratification, it's something that feels good in the moment. It gives us pleasure. It gives us temporary satisfaction. It can give us this happy feeling. We've done this thing and it makes us feel happy, whether we're happy that we got away with something or whether we are happy because it's an emotional high um, but it will affect our emotions and we end up wanting more of that because who doesn't want to feel good right so the sin will affect our emotions and then it will affect our brains it literally trains our brain kind of like a dog learning new tricks Um, the, the, the dog will do something and then it gets this response. It may get a treat. It may get a pat on the head, you know, and it wants that good feeling again and again and again, and it trains us. If I do this, I get that. And and we get on that cycle of sin, of I will do this so that I will get the pleasure. It's kind of a reward. And we've trained our brain how to do something. Um, our brains get changed literally by a chemical that's released. Um, when we experience pleasure, our brains release a chemical that makes us feel good all over. And we literally get addic- addicted to that chemical. And we want more of that thing that makes us feel good. And then usually the sin will intensify, whether it's a food addiction or drug addiction or that relationship, or maybe it's gambling. We win, you know, $2 and then we want to win $10 and then 20. And it's just this, wow, I felt this and it felt this and I felt this and it was good. And it just, you know, it's seemingly good. And then it just sets us up for crash and failure and addiction. Uh, sin also affects our spiritual lives, it comes in between us and the Lord. We start going after the things of the world things that make us feel good rather than the things of God. We want that temporary satisfaction. We may still have God in our brains. We may still know that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We've accepted him. Maybe we are truly Christ followers, but we are hung up in this one area that continually makes us fall. And we go for this other thing rather than for the Lord. And it, and it causes a barrier in between us and the Lord. And we allow that. Thing or that emotional high to govern us rather than the Lord governing us. And we allow those pleasures of the world to be the thing that we go after rather than the pleasures of the Spirit and walking with God. God absolutely wants us to feel the pleasure, but he wants us to experience those pleasures from a spiritual level. God did create the world. He created our five senses. He created us to see things that we love and to smell things and taste things and hear things and be able to enjoy and be satisfied by getting pleasure from the things that He's created. But He's also given us boundaries. And and He has told us there are certain things that will harm us and there are things that um Paul says that all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. And sometimes we get so addicted to having one thing that it just becomes an obsession of ours. God wants us to experience these things. A, a great example would be sex. He wants us to experience that, but he also wants us to experience it within the boundaries of marriage with one person because he knows that that sin of sex outside of marriage causes us to get addicted to one other person. It crashes and crushes our soul when we have a breakup or um, literally when I said that about the chemical, our brains releasing chemicals, there are feel good chemicals that we have when we are with someone of the opposite sex. And God wants that to to be in the um, sanctity of marriage rather than with someone else before marriage. So that's just one example. We can do life with God and enjoy creation without the sin and without being slaves to sin. So we become slaves to sin and and a great example of being slaves is when we think of the children of Israel when they were held captive inside of Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt, and they did things the way that the Egyptians wanted them to do things, and they were literally slaves, and we can become slaves to sin as well. So I'm going to use that kind of as a picture of um, uh, us getting unbound, if that's a word, uh, set free from sin, using that picture of the Israelites under the slavery of the Egyptians as us being in slavery to the sin. Um, and this is where the five ways to break the habits. This is where I'm going to talk about the five ways to break the habits of sin. It's hard. It's very difficult. And if you have read the Old Testament, if you've read the story, um, it was very, very hard for the Israelites when they came out from Egypt. They wanted to go back because life was so much easier. It was um, predictable. They had their needs met. They had food, they had shelter, they had those things and comfort in, in, um, Egypt. But when they came out into the desert where God was, God was training them to get Everything that they needed from him. But wow, their bodies, their souls, their spirits really had to go through a type of detox. So the number one thing when we are trying to break the habit of of sin, the number one thing is that we have to come out from among them. That's what the Israelites had to do. They had to come out of Egypt, get out of Egypt. What is your sin that you are trying to get out of? Who are the people that are influencing you? Who are the people that you're hanging around that you are more apt to sin when you are around? You need to come out out from, from them. You need to separate yourself from them. Maybe it is a... Um, food addiction, and you go to these restaurants, or you hang out with, you know, people that are doing potlucks all the time, it could even be church events where it's just, you may have to set some hard boundaries. It's not that you that church is wrong. It's not that hanging out with the people are wrong. But when you go and you are around these temptations all the of the time, you've got to break away from it. And you are going to have to come out From Those temptations and um, set yourself some boundaries. And I I can't tell you exactly what you need to do. You're going to have to sit with the Lord and say, Lord, what are my temptations? What are the things that I need to break these habits from? And how do you want me to come out from among them? Are they People that you want me to separate myself from, like people from the world, people that are, um, tempting you into drugs or parties or, um, sex or just a wayward lifestyle. Is it something that you really do need to set a boundary? Like maybe it's no more restaurants for an entire month. I'm not going to a restaurant for, for an entire 30 days because I've got to break this food addiction. You've got to set some hard, clear boundaries. And number two is get strongly, strong, strongly get strong, godly support that keeps you from returning. Let some people know what you're doing. Let some people know. Be vulnerable and say, you know what, I am addicted to this. I have this issue with this sin. With the, you know, I have a problem uh, that I need. Fixed. I need this sin out of my life. And I really want you to hold me accountable to this. Let some people know. Let some strong people know. Because when the Israelites came out from Egypt, they had a leader. It was Moses. And the Lord actually helped them too because the, you know, they had the Red Sea. They could not go back to Egypt. And it was a clear-cut boundary. They could not cross back into Egypt. And what are those boundaries that you are going to set? And ask God, God, please help me set some boundaries. Maybe it's something as severe as maybe severe is that a, is that the right word? As um, huge, a big. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right word, but something that's really, really big. You may, if it's if it's a drug issue, if it is, you know, some kind of addiction, you may have to check yourself into. A support group, you know, maybe it's teen challenge, maybe it's another facility for helping you to break these addictions. Because it is that important for you to be set free, and it's not going to be easy. This addiction, this problem, this sin is too big for you to do it on your own. We need to realize that it's not something that you can just say no to. It's a huge problem, and you are going to need support. You're going to need people to come around you and help you set those boundaries. Because at some point, you will want to go back into your sin. You will want to go back into your Egypt. And you need strong people to say, absolutely not. I'm standing with you to be firm and you won't go back because one day, you know, say two weeks from now, maybe you can't predict when you think right now you're going to be strong. And two weeks from now, you're going to have a weak moment and you're going to want to go back and you need to realize, no, I have given these people permission to help me stay on this journey to be set free from sin. Number three is fasting. When the children came out from Egypt and they are in the desert, they did not get to eat the fine meals that they had in Egypt. They had manna from heaven. They had what God gave them. They didn't get to do all of the things that they did when they were in Egypt. Um, and the same with us. I, I believe that a time of fasting is, It literally cuts us off from the things of the world so that we can be in tune with the Lord, so that we can hear Him. And when I personally, whenever I do a fast... I try to get alone with the Lord. I try to um, set aside time where I'm not doing my normal schedule. I will set some time where I can literally go into my prayer closet more often or take a walk in the woods, grab my Bible and journal, some Christian music. I may be fasting. Usually I fast food. Sometimes people will fast their... um, You know, TV or their social media, things like that are good. But I heard a pastor say this uh, a few years back. He said, you know what? When you can say no to food, you can say no to just about anything. And it literally trains our body how to say no to the things of the world. And it opens up our spirit to hear of the things from the Lord. So uh, fasting is a huge way to help us break the bonds and the ties with sin number 4 would be church and i even put the word rituals and let me explain rituals in and of themselves in and of themselves aren't so powerful however when we attach that to the things of the lord it is literally training our brains towards the things of the lord so when i think of what the children of Israel did when they were in the desert, the Lord had them set up a tabernacle and they came in and they did sacrifice. They cleansed themselves of sin. They sang worship songs. They, um, they prayed to the Lord. They had different ceremonies for different things. And it, it, he also asked them to always remember Passover, meaning that was when the Lord set them free and allowed them to live when they, um, when they escaped from Egypt for them to really remember the Lord and we can remember him through our rituals. Now, you know, we're not going to go get the fatted calf or our pet and go sacrifice them because Jesus was our sacrifice. But there are things that we do to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And that may mean going and finding a church that we attend every single week. Finding a Bible study that we plug ourselves into, you know, once a week in addition to our church services. Finding worship services where there's lots of music and time where we can just sing songs to the Lord, not just for ritual's sake, but doing those things with a heart bent towards the Lord. Uh, listening to Christian radio and Christian music, it's so important cutting off the the music of the world and listening to the things that draws closer to the lord listening to christian podcasts or reading christian books going to christian blogs maybe cutting out the news you know and turning on something you know that will enrich us and and pour in things from the lord these quote unquote rituals again it's not something that's within For ritual's sake, it's not something magic in it, but it's literally training our brains. When I go and read my Bible, when I go to church, when I go and do these things, and then we open up our spirits and say, Lord, please speak to me as I'm doing these things. I remember when I battled cancer, I would do communion every single day. And I did it twice a day because I had to take these chemo pills in the morning and in the evening. And when I did, I took communion before I took the uh, the chemo because it reminded me. It was a ritual, not just for ritual's sake, but it was to remind me I am depending on the Lord to give me healing, to give me grace, to give me strength. and I just wanted my attention to be upon the cross as I was taking the chemo because I needed him. And that was a ritual, but it had so much meaning um, in it. So so just find those things. I am you know number four, I use the word church and rituals, but I just want to be careful with the word rituals so that you don't take it like, okay, let me just, you know, uh, check my boxes here and do A, B, and C. Again, I hope that you hear the heart in this of doing things that are going to draw you closer to the Lord, because when you do that, you are training your brain. You are renewing your mind with a new, with new habits and new things that will draw you close to him. Okay, this next One, this is another word too that's like, whoa, (laughs) but my word is circumcision. Wow, that's a big word. Now, before we go into the literal term of circumcision, I want us to think back to the Old Testament. When they came out from Egypt, when they were in the desert and when they came into their promised land, Um, literally just this morning, I was reading about them when they were, when Moses had died, Joshua is getting ready to take them into the promised land. And before they went in, God told them, I want you to set yourselves apart. I want you to circumcise. Um, So those people who had not yet gone through circumcision, those men who had not Yet gone through circumcision, the other cultures would use it as a sign of adulthood. The Israelites, it was the it was they were the only community, the only uh, quote unquote religious community, if you will, that used circumcision as a sign that they followed God. So God was saying, "I want you to set yourselves apart and just know you are my people." Set yourselves apart. And then when they circum when they did the circumcision, they were in Gilgal. And as they were in Gilgal, they could not leave. I'm sure physically, physically, they wouldn't have been able to, but God said, I want you to remain here until you heal. Now, healing, whenever we set ourselves apart, whenever we cut ourselves off. From the world. That's what I like to think of circumcision. It is cutting ourselves off from the world. So, our hearts, there are are scriptures in the Bible that talk about our hearts being circumcised, meaning the things in our hearts that are just worldly driven. We want the Lord to come and circumcise those parts of our hearts. And so that we are set apart for the Lord, set apart for him. So when, when the Lord said, I want you to circumcise yourself and stay here until you are healed. God wants to heal us from those things, from those areas. It may be a relationship that was not good for us. Maybe it was a boyfriend or a girlfriend that we were so attached to, and you know this is not God's will for you. When you come out from among them, when you circumcise, when you cut off that relationship, there is going to be a wound. It is going to hurt because of the soul ties, because of the emotional bonds you formed, and it is going to be, painful, and the Lord wants to heal you. And he does want to bring you into the promised land. But before you can just jump right into that next relationship, that next healthy relationship that God has for you, he wants you to heal first. Same with someone, say it's a drug addiction. He wants you to heal from the wounds of your past before you get set into society again, you need to go through a rehabilitation, through a physical therapy, if you will, emotionally and spiritually, so that you are strong enough, so that you are are strengthened, and then God will lead you into um, your promised land, and then he will allow you to have a ministry, whatever that looks like, Um, and maybe, I didn't put a number six, but maybe there should have been a number six of ministry, and being around strong people not doing something in and of yourself, but being around strong people because I believe healing comes when we are with other people and we are pouring out to others, when we are giving and helping somebody else. Now, there is a reason why Jesus set out the disciples two by two, because one person can't do it on their own. We need the accountability lest we fall back into sin. And there are verses that talk about that too. Be very careful when you are trying to minister to somebody else because you could find yourself right back in that sin. But when you are with a team of other really strong believers and holding yourself accountable to them, and they are holding you accountable, you're more successful and your victory is um, more pleasant and more uh, celebratory because you know the victory, has, it belongs to the Lord. God has led you into a true place of victory where you are now helping other people. And I will say this, even after a circumcision, there will remain a scar. There will be that place where you will always remember, this is where I, we, we never want to forget those scars. It'll be a place where we remember, this is where I was really stuck in sin. This is where I was in, you know, in bondage to an addiction or a sin or a relationship. And I needed intervention. I needed people to come and help me and heal me. I needed God to intervene. I needed the church. I needed resources. I needed to fast and pray. I needed to go to extreme measures to get this out of my life. Jesus said that we will know people that are Christ followers by the fruit that they bear. So, Yes, all people will, we all have sin. As long as we are on this side of heaven, we will not be perfect because we are in a fallen world and we are tainted by sin. But I will say God gives us the tools for victory. And sometimes we can be stuck in sin, but still have a heart's desire to be freed from that sin. And the Lord will meet us right where we are to help free us from that. And we will have to repeat this process over and over and over. Like we, there will be one sin that we conquer and get victorious and maybe we find ourselves tripping up again and you know what God has to come and meet us right where we are again and then we just beef up our accountability and get stronger that way we don't want to stay in condemnation we want to constantly even like it's like in a war even though we get struck down we get back up again I think it's Micah 7 verse 8 that says do not gloat over me my enemy though I have fallen I will rise. And even if we fall down seven times, we get up eight. If we fall down 100 times, we get up 101. God wants to set us free. He wants to teach us truth so that we don't live in the clutches of sin. And even though we stumble and fall, he still wants to pick us up so that we are not bound by the sin. So I just hope that this encourages you so that you don't live in the condemnation of your sin, but you will live in hope knowing that you can be set free. It may be a process. It may take a team of Christian warriors to come around you. But you know what? Freedom is yours because the blood that Jesus shed is stronger and more powerful and speaks a better word, a louder word than your sin does. So whatever the enemy does, uh, whatever he does for evil, God can turn around and use for good. It could be the most horrible, awful thing that is imaginable. But God, it's miraculous how he can take something so awful, so bad, so tainted, so ugly and turn it around for something Good, not only for you, but for also those people around you. So I hope that this gives you some tools in your tool belt and some things to be thinking about as as we are all on this journey together. I have things that I'm continuing to work on, and I'm sure that you do as well. But just know that there is victory in Christ and that we can be set free uh, once and for all, and the Lord will help us. And um, maybe it will take us many years, maybe it will take us one decision just right now, you know, maybe by noon, you know, you can be freed of this sin because it's one simple decision, one simple thing. Um, And others, it, you know, it's just going to take that accountability and staying plugged in with other strong people to help carry you through this. So I hope that you are blessed. I hope that you are on that journey to getting uh, closer to the Lord, more like Christ, and that He is meeting you exactly where you are and where you need Him most. So I just want to thank you again for listening. Again, I invite you to rate and review this podcast, and um, I just hope that you have a blessed day. And until next time, we'll see you later.